Today is Christmas Eve when we celebrate, beginning tonight, really, the arrival of Jesus. It's the day that we choose to celebrate it. That whole process of beginning to celebrate in the evening is actually rooted in Jewish tradition, how it begins with the evening and goes into the next day. Um, That's how that tradition began, so to say. But we're having a little bit of a non-traditional Christmas, which feels very revolve, if we're honest, right? Um, And so we're here in this unique place. By the grace of God, it was available to us. But we're also talking about a unique thing, and that's we're talking about the last line of the Lord's Prayer, where it says, deliver us from evil. And we're looking at this theme of the fact that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. That's why the songs that we chose, the scriptures that we've been reading, they're not about little, you know, seven-pound, three-ounce baby Jesus but they're about Jesus, the warrior king. Jesus, the warrior king, who came in fulfillment of prophecy and the angelic armies that he commands, they sing over the shepherds and they say, the conquering king is born today in Bethlehem. The greater son of David, the one that you have been waiting for, he is here. And you can imagine the sight that was. 1 John actually unpacks this a little bit for us. I'm going to read this passage from 1 John chapter 3, and then we're going to comment on it. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, We are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when he appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation of his arrival will keep themselves pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in sin willfully is not with him. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you. When people do what is right, when it is right with God, it shows they are right with him, even as Christ is righteous. But when people make a practice of sinning without remorse... Without repentance, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why the Son of Man came, the Son of God came. You know, when we think about Christmas, we think about the manger, we think about Mary, we think about Joseph, we think about donkeys and wise kings, and we think about shepherds. But what society, and the truth is, what so often we, as the people of God, don't always think about is why Jesus actually came. Why did he come? See, we get confused with this. If you go and you watch any number of kind of cheesy Christmas stories, even ones that seem to have a little bit of spiritual undertones, why did Jesus come according to the world? Did he come to be a good example to show us how to live? Oh, that will be a good Hallmark movie. Did he come to show us the pathway to maturity? Did he come to show us how to love so we could love the way he loves? Did he teach us how to be a representative? He was a good picture of what we could be. Well, yes, 
but also no to all of those things. Because that's not why Jesus came. Those are side effects of why Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? The Bible's clear about this message from the beginning. Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy in the Bible, Jesus would come to crush the head of the serpent. That Jesus would come to destroy the destroyer of our world. That Jesus would come to destroy the works of the devil, all of the impact that happened in that Genesis 3 fall. Jesus came to make all things new, to right all wrongs, and to then set himself up as king over everything. That is why the Son of God appeared. I think that's why Jesus' prayer and the Lord's prayer ends with, Lord, deliver us from evil. What are the works of the devil? Well, John says right here, everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. <clears throat> and you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. You know, there's three themes in Scripture related to the devil's work. I know this is a non-traditional Christmas sermon. Some of you guys are like, I was hoping for Christmas today. <laughs> well, you showed up here. There's three themes we see in the Scripture related to the devil's work. Sin, lawlessness, and rebellion. To sin is to break God's law, and to break God's law is to rebel against his rule and reign in our lives and in the universe. Simplified, sin is lawlessness, and it's rebellion against God. And when the enemy of God tempted Eve, that was rebellion. When Adam and Eve listened to the voice of the serpent instead of the voice of God, it was rebellion. When they broke God's law and they ate from the tree of wisdom, it was sin. Sin is to break God's law. It's to operate counter to his design. But Jesus came to destroy sin because he came to destroy the work of the devil. Jesus came to destroy sin. That means he came to destroy sin. He came to destroy its impact on our world, and he came to destroy its source. 1 John 1.8 says this, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and the, not living in the truth. The reality is that all of us have sin in our lives, and to deny this reality is to be utterly blind and lack any sense of self-awareness. That's what 1 John 1 is saying there. We can see the impact of sin on creation. We can see the existence of death, the existence of disease, the existence of cancer. We can see the brutality in parts of the animal kingdom, and we can see the reality of sin, the curse of sin on creation. But also, when we're alone and when we're looking in that mirror and the light of God is shining into the crevices of our heart, we also see the sin in our lives. It's easy to see it in other people, but it's more important to see it in ourselves. We see the selfishness. We see the malcontent spirit. We see the grumbling. We see the lying. We see the strife. We see the tension. We see the pettiness. And this is why the Bible describes humanity as walking in darkness. Because without the light of Christ, the light of the world, we're blind to the problems. We're blind to these things as in we see them, but maybe we don't realize that they are wicked and vile and need to be dealt with. But when we come face to face with these things, we also embrace this reality that we need someone to come and rescue us. 
that we need someone to be a victor on our behalf, that we need a warrior to fight the battle that we cannot fight. And Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. Jesus came to destroy sin, its impact, and its source. And so that's what sin is. And so the question is, how did Jesus destroy the works of the devil? How did Jesus destroy sin and death? Well, Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus died, and Jesus was resurrected. You know, the word Advent refers, refers to arrival. And your Advent calendar is a countdown of the days leading up to Christmas, right? At least when we celebrate Jesus' birth. And since Genesis 3, there's like there was a giant Advent calendar just ticking away through the Exodus from Egypt, throughout the monarchy and the failed kings, during the prophets and the exile, God's people were constantly pulling day after day off their advent calendar, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the greater son of David to come and rescue them, to come and destroy sin. Because coming out of Egypt didn't remove the sin problem. Sacrifice didn't remove the sin problem. Having a rebuilt temple didn't solve the sin problem. Coming back from the exile didn't solve the sin problem. Having great kings didn't solve the sin problem. They needed more. And so realize that Jesus arrives as the culmination and the fulfillment of all of this longing in the heart of the Jewish people. Of all of the pain that we see in the world, Jesus comes as this great warrior of light to destroy darkness. And that's precisely why the darkness tries so hard to destroy him throughout the biblical narrative. The enmity between the seed of Eve and the seed of the serpent, so to say. But throughout the scriptures, we see images that are often have an immediate fulfillment, but look forward to this warrior king who's coming and he's coming to crush sin and death and darkness. Just read this with me. You don't have to read it, actually. I'll read it to you. From Habakkuk chapter 3. But think of this imagery. You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows, and you split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging water swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high in surrender. The sun and moon stood still in their place as the light of your arrows as they sped. At the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in rage. You went out for the salvation of your people for the salvation of your anointed ones. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced him with his own arrows, the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. How did Jesus destroy the works of the devil? Jesus didn't come to give Satan, who's the true enemy, not any person. Jesus didn't come to give Satan a hug. You know, we say, it's true when we say that Jesus defeated Satan by love. But listen, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and then show the love of God to Satan's captives. Jesus doesn't show love to Satan. Jesus shows wrath and destruction to him. But as his 
captives. As the ones who are held in his prison, he shows love to us. The destruction of sin is simultaneously a demonstration of love. You see, because you've heard me say this before, that on that cross, that Jesus was like a spiritual Trojan horse. That the enemy in his arrogance thought that he had won, that he had finally was killing the seed of Eve. And, but really what was happening was Jesus was about to tear death apart from the inside out. On that cross, Jesus paid the penalty for sin. And with the empty tomb, he blew the doors off of death, destroying the works of the devil, the power of sin and death. And then God crowned him with authority. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection destroys the power of sin. But there's something else that destroys it. Our new birth. Our new birth. This passage in 1 John 3 begins with, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. In John chapter 3, Jesus invites us to be born again into a new family, a spiritual family that is untarnished by sin, that doesn't have the curse of sin hiding in his closet. He invites us to believe in the work of the Son of God, to believe in the one that the Father had sent, to believe in the Savior, and in believing to find life. When we believe in Jesus, when we trust in him, we're made new, we're made reborn. And now we wait. We wait for the return of the king. What does he say here? We are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears again. See, when you're reborn, the old sinful soul passes away and the new man comes. You aren't perfect on this world because you're still trapped in this meat tent right? You're still trapped in a body of death. But think about it. Jesus knows what it was like to be trapped in a body of death. That Jesus took on the frailty of humanity. He knew what it was like to struggle. He knew what it was like to be tired and to be hungry and to be persecuted. We have a high priest who can sympathize with us in every way. But your new birth began an unbreakable line that goes into eternity. That for the believer, the resurrection life has already begun. And so what does this mean for our lives today? Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. The work of the devil is sin, its impact, its source, its reality in our lives. He destroyed it by fulfilling the, the cost of sin on the cross and then conquering death with the empty tomb. God crowns him as the king over everything by putting this crown of authority, the son of man, Daniel 7, the son of man authority over this king. We trust in him and he has us born again, people free from the penalty of sin, even though for this time being in this mortal coil, we struggle. What this means for us is that the battle is won. But today, villages are still being liberated by faith. You know, we have this perspective. We think about it, that it's done, it's over, it's done, and it is done. But when World War II, when you had surrender happening in Germany, you still had camps that needed to be liberated. You still had soldiers that needed to go out and they needed to say, the war is over, the battle is won, the enemy is destroyed. 
And that's exactly what we do as followers of Christ. Jesus said, it is finished. But there's people all over the world who don't know who the new king is. And we go to them with a liberating message of the fact that the power of sin and death is broken. That Jesus came to destroy and did in fact destroy the works of the devil. That's why Christmas is important. That Jesus came to do this work. The reality is that everyone needs to believe and put their trust in his victory, not in their own abilities. It's like having a present under the tree. You know it's there, but you need to open it. See, you can participate in Christ's victory. Hear me. You participate in Christ's victory not by picking up a sword and trying to help Jesus out, not by going to church or being a nice person, but through faith. We participate in the victory of Christ when we place our trust in Jesus as the one who destroyed sin and death on our behalf. And so why did Jesus come? Why do we celebrate? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, to defeat sin and death. And what that means for us is that little baby born in a manger is the king. But he's not just the king He's not just some limp-wristed king. He's the warrior king. In other words, men, this is the kind of person you want to follow. This isn't hippie Jesus that you see on TV and you're like, I'm not into that. I don't want to follow that man. This is a guy you desire to follow as a man. All right? This is the king who's leading an army. And we give him the glory he deserves. We don't give, her the, give him the meager scraps from our table because we're distracted with fig pudding later in the day. We worship this king because he's all that matters. Everything else could fade away. What we have is the king. 